Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by MAP. My name is Alex Clements and I'm here with Campbell Flakemore and a few ring-ins. Tommy's here. He's going to be back later on. If you haven't already, MAP did a, um, they did a collab with Nick Frendo who uh, did a pretty unreal uh, mental health campaign around his ride and uh, they collabed on the story. I reposted it on the Insta if you want to check it out. Today we're unpacking the World Championships, pretty much the finale on the year. Uh, I've got a heap of listener questions, so much appreciated for uh, reaching out. And then Tommy's uh, back for his continental breakfast. I don't know who it is. Campbell doesn't know who it is. The anticipation is huge. And there's a bit of news in the continental breakfast world, which we might touch on later, get Tom's opinion on how... That affects his day-to-day life. How sad news. Sad news. Sad that news, is sad yeah. news, yeah. Sad news. So, did you watch the men's road race? Yeah, the last um, 30-odd K. The final group had already been selected. Pedersen, Trentin, Kung, Gianni, and uh, Matthew Van Der Poel. Looking at that, you'd think Matthew Van Der Poel, all day, all night, filthy conditions. He's the cyclocross king. He's kind of been prepping. He was the hot favorite, which is crazy doing a handful of road races this year, not being on a world tour team, but he was the hot favourite and he completely blew up with mm. about 15, 20k to go. It was, uh, I was looking, maybe there was a mechanical... Like Gianni was suffering, he was suffering, but Vanderpol just imploded. I think there's some questions later on, but I think it was just a genuine hunger flat. We've all been there where one minute you're fine, literally 20, 30 seconds later it just hits you. It's like a train and then there's, and there's, there's no coming back. You can do 100 watts maybe and all you're thinking about is getting to the finish. But yeah, a bit of a surprise, Alex. Mads Pedersen, the Danish kid, he always was a little bit chunky in the junior days. A little bit... Had a bit of puppy fat on him. puppy fat and I'll give you the hot tip. It would have been an absolute treat to have a bit of a little bit of extra beef on you on Sunday. <laughs> 10 degrees all day. You reckon, that was, and rain. you reckon that was the difference? Trenton was too lean. Trenton was too lean. Kung's a big boy as well. Like yeah. the, you know, the guys that were carrying a little bit extra, Sargon, Valgren, Christoph Van Avermaet, all these kind of northern boys really relished in the conditions. And Pedersen's quick. I think Matthew Keenan made a really good point on the on the call. He mentioned that he won that bunch kick in Ballarat in the Sun Tour um, ahead of Von Hoff, who we know is a, a proper sprinter. Mm. And at the end of a day like that, it's, it's all about who's just... Kind of got the best legs. Anyone can sprint well at the end of six and a half hours. It's a strength day. Yeah. What and do they, you need? Strength? You need a bit of Danish, a bit of strength. The strongest men in the world. I think probably Trenton thought he had it wrapped up. I think he was pretty confident. He hit out a little bit early, looking back. A little bit uphill. Probably could have left it a bit longer. But yeah, in, I mean, two, two guys in the group. Maybe should have Gianni, instead of pulling hard, maybe attacked and forced the others into... Doing a little bit of chasing, or do you think? Well, he... So Gianni was in the move, and then Trenton came across. Yeah. So Matt Pedersen was in the original move too. Mm, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wonder what Gianni was thinking when Trenton came across. Wow, Trenton, is uh, he's, he's not done the team thing before. Yeah. If you look back to San Remo last year when, and he was so. There's a, there's some funny images where Gianni's chopping off, and Trenton is riding too. Yeah, I don't know whether I trust Matteo. He didn't. Well, he's what had a couple of years at Mitchell, and he's on the move again to CCC. I'm pretty glad he's not going to be in the World Championships kit at CCC. That would yeah. have been a nice little scoop for them. 
But again, Mads Pedersen, 23, world champion. I, I don't mind it at I all. I love it. I love it's it. good. I mean, you don't get handed world championships. He, w- he won that race. There's been a few he, people. He, he went on the move. A few people that, oh, I'd, you know, I'd like to see a big, big name, but... This guy, he's gonna, he is gonna be a big name. He is one of the strongest blokes in the peloton. You don't accidentally win world championships. Not six and a half hours in the rain either. That's that's a proper hard man. No, so. it wasn't a bunch of kick where things just went really right. Um, Belgium, poor. Alex GVA in eight. They obviously had um, Gilbert Bandon, which. He was their man. Yeah, but him and still. GBA. But Wellens, Toons, there's some big names there. They couldn't quite get it together. Australia was all in, in the Matthews basket. He looked that photo at the finish line. He looked like he was about to die. Yeah. So again, it was just it was just who could handle the conditions best. And De- again, Dennis rode for four hours on the front. <laughs> what bike was he using? He was using BMC. Was he? Yeah, that's fantastic. The question it? later on. Yeah. Not really. I just think. Um, I would have liked to have seen the Italians use their numbers a little bit more. Obviously, they just thought they were going to torture in the sprint. But Stefan Kung, he was rolling the dice. He was really... Did you watch that last bit where mm. he was just attacking up the hill? It wasn't really attacking. It was more just like, I'm going to crank it up for 30, 40 seconds. If you can hold on, you can. Almost cracked Pedersen. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be cool to see to see Pedersen in the rainbows next year. Interesting. Kung finished 10th in the TT, 2 minutes, 47 seconds down. He hasn't been super in, as good in TTs this year. No. He arguably uh, put FDJ in a good posse at the Tour de France yeah. uh, in their team time trial, but not as sharp here, but super sharp in the roadie. Yeah. Are we going to move on to the TT? Yeah, let's Men's move TT? on to the TT. There's a big lot of anticipation for Roland Dennis. Rocked up to the start line on a BMC. <laughs> When the news hadn't come out that he had terminated the contract yeah. with Bahrain. Yeah. So I think that did happen a few days before, but the release um, hadn't been uh, given to the public. So everyone was like, what's he doing on this BMC? Clearly the the contract had been terminated at that point. But yeah, he uh, he tortured. You don't win a, a world championships by a minute two years in a row. That's <laughs> No. That's big. But to be fair, looking at the rest of the list... The funny it's, list. It's not I'm not taking anything away from anyone here, but there was no uh, Dumoulin, no Grant Thomas, who there was talk of him doing it. Primos was coming straight off the back of the welter, looked tired, was tired. Mm. And then no Froome either. So some of the big big names weren't there. Campanats had a... Campanats had a shocker, yeah. a few crashes, a few bike changes. So anyway, all that aside, I don't think anyone was beating Rowan Dennis. In yeah. the time trial. Good to see Bevan around the mark. Would have been yeah. nice to see him jag a podium. But Remco, as an under-19 doing the double last year, to step up into the seniors and pull a silver at only low 60 kilograms. It's wild behaviour. In a time trial that's 30, 40 minutes longer than he's ever done before. It's that's, unreal. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Alex Dowsett was solid. But yeah, like you said, Kung, it would have been... It would have been nice to see him a little bit higher up the rankings and maybe sort of focusing more towards being a good team man, the team time trial, being a more of a classic rider than focusing solely on a on an ITT. The women's road race, uh, Annemiek van Vluten put on a clinic. She went from 104 clicks to go, tore shreds off the bunch uh, and 
I guess, put the race into anarchy. The Dutchies had a super strong strong squad, so I guess they just played their cards early and the card paid off. Yeah. Uh, went solo That's to, wild, to the finish. It? 100K <laughs> solo world championships. <laughs> Come and find me. No one could. Even just embarking on that mission going, oh, really? Like 104K? I mean, yeah. I, I've, I'm sure we'll see people try it again, but I think um, to do 100K solo in a world championships probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. But yeah, the Netherlands going one, two with Van der Bregen and Spratt in third. Mm. It was good for Spratt, Australia. Spratt was the last of the... The chasing group, because after that, there was just a chasing group. That was it. Um, so, Amanda continues her consistent performance at World Championships. Always there or thereabouts. Always on the, thereabouts. On the, on the big races. And in fourth was Chloe Digert-Owen, who absolutely smoked the time trial by, I think it was a minute and 30. Circa minute 30. Yeah, a minute 32 to... To Van der Bregen and Van Vluten. So the, the two Dutch girls were on the podium in both. But this time trial, Alex, was absolutely incredible. I think she would have finished 10th or 11th in the under-23 men. Yeah, the conditions were a little bit better for the women. But still, that's incredible. And I think she's still... She's 22 or 23. So she was probably actually available to ride in that underage category. So... I reckon a few of the boys might be having a little bit of a hard look at themselves in the next week or so. The under 23 road race, probably, la, 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 la. probably the biggest talking point for mine, mm, really, out of, mess. The, out of the whole. And men's under 23 TT as well. That was also a bit of a mess, yeah. RE weather. Um, the UCI had a shocker, really, in, in the TT and the road race. I guess we'll start with the TT because it's a little bit less of an issue, the weather. Yeah. Firstly, let's have a look at the results. Mikkel Berg went back to back to back in the under twenty three TT. I don't think anyone's ever done a B to B or won it two times, let alone three times in a row. He's made it his own, and then the two Americans, Garrison and McNulty, in second and third. The Americans are always pretty good in the under under twenty threes. Mm. We know that, but um, as are as are the Danes. With the Danes, man, they're they're good. Everywhere. <laughs> what are they doing in that program? Are they in Danish cycling? Anyway, the weather was probably the main talking point. If people saw the clip on the Instagram that you put up, a bloke just <laughs> just getting too deep in the water and, yeah. and crashing out. And I think there was a few other people there that was said they multiple crashed, videos. just not caught on camera. But I'm not sure what the organisation was doing, not getting some marshals out, checking out these these puddles and, and putting a stop to the race because that could have been serious injury. Yeah, even, even, oh, cancel it. like Yeah. Come back tomorrow. You can't, or... you can't have people riding in those kind of conditions. It was just like, what's going on? Like, is everyone just busy doing something else? <laughs> if, for those that haven't seen it, there must have been puddles half a foot, a foot high. Yeah. Where riders are flying through on and, TT and, bikes. And across m- the majority of the road, if not all. Like, not, not options to kind of yeah. move around. And it. this is on the downhill as well, where they're crashing. These boys are doing 55k an hour. And like I said, luckily no one was hurt because... Well, the UCI, they don't really care about anything or anyone except for the sock height of, of riders, which was where their priorities were laying. It just didn't, yeah, and those images getting out of them uh, measuring sock heights. While, while blokes while, are killing yeah, themselves out of yeah, course. while people getting flattened out on the tarmac. Like, Dog show. come on. And anyway. then in the and then it gets, road race. gets even better. The winner, uh, only won for 15 minutes. What are they doing? Imagine that. You've, you're, the, you're the world champion. You think you've done it. You're on top of the world. And then 
15 minutes after you cross the line, they disqualify you for something you did with 125Ks left. Something that if you've raced a bike at a level of National Road Series level, you've probably experienced the convoy. You've had a puncture. You've had a mechanical. You're coming back through the cars. We've all done it. And uh, sadly for this youngster, he's had his championship absolutely dashed. Your thoughts? So he crashed, dislocated his shoulder, had a mechanical, and was using the car to get back on, which everyone has done. Mm-hmm. No? I have. Everyone has. <laughs> and But you even watch professional racing and they show it on TV. It's I not know. like this unknown kind of dark and, area and, of the and, sport. And it's not like it was 10K to go. It was 100, 125K. There was still a lot of guys... In the group. And so my understanding is that if you crash, if you have a mechanical, you can use your cars to get back on. I think yes. Within reason. If you... Within if reason. You, what's the reason? Well, I think if you look back, um, Gent Webbergham 2015, I think Terpstra, there's like a group of 10, like it's the clear, it's the clear final, there's about 20k to go and he has a puncher in that sort of scenario. I don't really want to see him coming back, like when the race is already f- kind of formed, the finale is being yeah. in action. But, but in terms of the main group? In terms of the main group, in terms of what we riders. saw in this instance, 100%. I think if, you get, if you get dropped, nah. No, you're out. Not. I think they're going to have to revisit the rules. And um, look, if we applied every rule this hard and fast, there'd be, there'd be carnage. There'd be no one finishing any race. So the rule... Article four point seven mm. in the uh, in the UCI rulebook, which is a lot of pages long. If you haven't, I'd look it up today. It's a it's a control F job. You don't go find. You don't go through and just pick yeah. out Article four point seven. Section one thousand four hundred. Uh, sheltering behind or taking advantage of the slipstream of a vehicle. One day race rider infringement two hundred dollar fine. Driver five hundred dollar fine. Oh, Swiss franc. Swiss franc. So okay, mid more than five hundred dollars. Um. And the sports director responsible five hundred dollars. Then there's just this little like clause down the bottom, <laughs> <laughs> exclusion clause, yeah. which says, in addition to the above, uh, in a serious case or repeated infringement or aggravating circumstances, the commissaires panel may eliminate or disqualify a rider and or exclude a license holder. <laughs> So, so the, pretty as, much they're saying they can do whatever they want. Yeah. It's important they have those exclusion clauses in there yeah. for them to just use them however they want to use them. Has there been a release from the UCI saying this is what it's going to be from now on? Yes. We are going to apply these rules hard and fast or they're going to amend them to not have anything like this again? Because I'd like to see some responsibility taken by no, someone. No, no. So I don't, I don't have it here, but it was they put out this tiny little press article on their website hidden you have to search for it you can't Mm. just find it uh which says as referencing this clause and it's got the video the video that he got done for which is a motorbike rider videoing him and it goes for two minutes and seven seconds and for two minutes of that he's on the car coming back from his crash gets the convoy back to the convoy into the group and that that's what that's what they say he got done for okay but why wouldn't they just there's the scouts out in on the road. Why didn't they just pick him out, number 41, come here? As soon as he got back to the bunch or even on the way back, just be like either A, step off the car 
or B, once he got to the bunch, say, look, mate, you're disqualified right now. Not suffer for 120K, win a world championship, and then take it off in 15 minutes later. Well, I don't reckon they'd have the resources to do that, to be honest. I reckon they'd have... Why not Chief Com sitting right behind the bunch can just be like, just get any sort of moto scout. Hey, mate, like, yeah, that's not part of your your job description, but just go pull number 41, tell him to come back yeah. to Chief Com and we'll rip him out of the race. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, it's, it sounds simple, but it just the way, it seems like the way they operate, they're not, they're not the most efficient group in the world. Mm. But have a rule that's actually a rule, not like some fluffy kind of, like no one knows what the rule is really. Mm. It's like within reason. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. The good thing is there's been a fair bit of support so, for him online. Well, because they made the <laughs> worst, they made a completely wrong decision. Except for Pat Shaw, who was towing the line of the UCI. Yes, who pretended he was loyal <laughs> all of a sudden. I'd love to see uh, how how Shorey's career would have gone if they applied every rule hard and fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's just crazy that this, this rule was so fluffy, but then they enforce it in that manner. In a world championship. Brutal. Anyway, enough of that. The Italian boy that won... Batty Stella, he was, um, I saw a photo of him on the, on the podium. It's like he just soloed the last 20K and was the strongest man there. Yeah, full credit, he was second, but... And, and he was sitting on the breakaway too. He was yeah. the only one that wasn't oh, chopping through. You'd feel a little <laughs> bit ordinary, but of course the Italian was just and, lapping it up. And he slammed the bars at the, the video. The footage of him crossing the line is the, uh, the Dutchie saluting and him just crunching the bars, just going, <laughs> damn. He's off to Team NTT next year. Yeah, Dimension Data. I guess that Formally. that is that is the only thing that was like uh, he has he has got a contract. Um, Niels Ekoff. He does he does have a contract for next year. That's nice, isn't it? That that's, it wasn't that's, like he was kind of relying on a result. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he probably he, would have got signed anyway. Exactly, but, he won the race. Everyone knows that. Yeah, um, and I guess that's it. The UCI won't do anything about this moving forward. It'll just be a. No. We'll just continue to. We won't take any responsibility for this. Or no. Admit that we cocked up. Junior men, Campbell. I hear it's a bit of a passion point of yours. <laughs> for, uh, why? Well, I wouldn't say it's. A, I wouldn't say it's a passion point. There's just something you brought up multiple times. There's just been something that's come out of it. The winner of the road race, Quinn Simmons. That's a proper <laughs> American name, Quinn. He's been signed to the World Tour team of Trek Segafredo for 2020 and 2021. He is about mm, 12 to 13 years too young and hasn't won a Grand Tour. <laughs> no, hasn't finished eighth in a Grand Tour <laughs> to be going to Trek Segafredo. <laughs> but you're right, they, they do normally traditionally go for the 31, 32-year-old who has shown glimpses but is probably on the way out. Mm. And they've decided, nah, the recruitment wasn't working on that front. Let's go the complete opposite and sign an 18-year-old who hasn't raced in Europe before. What's the next quick fix, fix that we could possibly go after? Mm. When, I, when I say that, he's done some junior tours and he's had a lot of success. He He's won a lot of races in Europe this year, but still... They're getting on the Remco bandwagon. Look, I think that people have seen, oh, look, Remco, he's, he came straight out of the under-19s. He's won San Sebastian. He's doing this, he's doing that. He was second in the TT. All under-19 world champions are going to be like that. I just hope that we don't get into this little uh, this headspace that if you win an under-19 world championship, you're going to come and crush the world tour. I think that's what they're hoping from this snoozer. 
How did you go in the under-19 nationals? I think I was 20th in my second year. Who won? In the chrono. Dale Parker. Uh, he was actually really good. <laughs> he was probably the biggest, the biggest talent uh, Australia's ever seen. I think he's painting roofs now. Yeah, okay. Enjoying himself in Adelaide, which is great. But, um, yeah. Interesting uh, signings. Interesting signing. And they've also signed the young Italian Antonio Tiberi is also going to Trek Segafredo, but not until 2021. So they're giving him a little bit of time, which is great. Yeah. I'm not sure whether that's as a second year 19 which, or a 23. Which is normal. That, that's, well, what, that's what most of the Mitchelton Scott I don't think anyone for the last 10 years has gone straight out of 19s. I think Sargon might have done it. And even if you do under 23s, you do two years as a minimum. Yeah, two years. Durbridge, minimum. Hepburn, Matthews, uh, Caleb... All do, all do two years as a minimum. Yeah. So. And if the team wants to lock them in, they do the. Yeah, do a pre-contract. Do a pre-contract. But he's going to be punching around the Italian one day races next year with Colpac. So <laughs> big talent is uh is to bury. Questions? Uh, Nick's rider, he asks about the uh, riders not taking normal risks because it would have affected their off-season. <laughs> Was this a true representation of Worlds? That's a good question. <laughs> well, Alex... I, I remember doing some races circuit back end of June with the mid-season break coming up. With Barcelona and Lisbon on the horizon. And really taking it easy. <laughs> you don't want to be going on holiday with bandages. You can't think of anything worse. And these guys have got a, at least a month ahead of them. Just ask Lucas Hamilton how he fared in Italy with his bandages yeah. all over his, his ribs and knee. It wasn't a good time. So that's a belter I, question, I, I, actually. That is... That's maybe the best question we've ever got. I, <laughs> I think so. I mean, besides the guys that really were having a red hot dip who could have won, I think probably ninety five percent of the bunch were thinking, you know what, I don't want to crash there here in Yorkshire. I there wanna, but also just a motivation thing. I want to get down to Majorca or Mykonos and just being able to post up without bandages on me. That's really <laughs> what I'm looking to get out of this. Uh, Mick underscore underscore Jagger. Am I the only one that thinks Michael Matthews is a self-centered flog? Uh, every post-race interview, he all he does is blame others for his performance. Prime example is the video of him whinging at Daryl Impey post-TDF stage. Yada, yada, yada. I don't know Michael Matthews at all, but I don't think he's a self-centered flog. I've only, I guess we've got one mutual friend that knows him quite well. Yeah, he says he's. A t- I guess Matthew suffer. I reckon Matthew suffers because he doesn't come out to Australia. Well, his girlfriend or his wife now, she's Slovakian or yeah. Slovenian, so he's been. In it's, Euro- a pro- it's a proper Euro. He's a proper Euro. He's real posted up in Monaco. I'm not talking about his performance, but I'm talking about his awareness, what people think of him. You kind of, you kind of left to make up your own conclusion. You don't get you don't get access to him. You don't see him live. Yeah, he's he's quite low for a big big name. He's not that um, not that much of a big personality on his Instagram yeah. or in the media or anything like that. I don't know him as either, Alex. But um, I guess all all the stars have to have a little bit of an edge about them, don't they? If you're a real top level athlete, you know. Let's besides the Roger Federer, for example, who's the the role model athlete. A lot of them have a kind of a, a little bit of an X factor, a bit of an edge about them. So. Mm. 
Yeah. Thanks, JN. Lads, Dennis, rumoured rumored to be at CCC or Ineos next year. In your expert opinion, which of these current World Tour setups would suit him uh, and his ambitions the most? By the way, will you guys be at TDU 2020? Yes, we will be at TDU 2020. <laughs> so what, Team, C- Team CCC and Ineos is yeah. the two rumoured? There's a rumour going around. I think he'd really like the structure at Ineos. Rowan, he, he loves everything to be detailed. And I've never been around the setup at Ineos, but it looks like it's a pretty, I imagine they pretty don't... detailed setup. They don't really um, leave anything unturned. So I think it would be a good fix. We'd probably be there, you think, as a worker. He'd probably be a bloody good worker in the mountains on flat team in, time trial. Influential for their team time trial he'd squad. Be, he'd be a great in for that. Uh, CCC, on the other hand, it was the same setup that I kind of hope BMC. he doesn't go there. Um, I mean, they'd love to have him there. They need someone to win some races. I guess they got Trenton going there as well. But I'd I'd really like to see him see him at Ineos in a really tight setup there. Dan Morrison, seventy seven, bring back calling him being Julian Alaphilippe, Alan Phillip. Okay, we will. Dan Bloomfield, how much of a big deal is it that Dennis chose to ride a BMC over his team Arita? bike must have been a nightmare for marita uh what was the bike of choice what was the difference between the bike of choice of him coming of him winning versus coming second well like we touched on before i think the contract was actually terminated before the race although it wasn't released so they had actually done all the the paperwork but then we've also had one of our punters here in the studio say that (laughs) As a national team, if you're representing your country, you actually don't have to use uh, trade team equipment. So that's the first I think, I've heard I think, of that, but that does make also, sense. Also a bit of a mental thing. I've won on this bike before. I was winning. Yeah. I mean, he, he loved his BMC. He loved mm. the, the setup there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure the Maridas aren't and, that bad. but And it must have been a not And a part of the question, it must have been a nightmare for Marita. Yes. Oh, they have a nightmares, aren't they, surely? It's not good. If, if you've got your, your world champion who was on your team who's deciding to ride another bike because he's not confident in your equipment, mm. that's not going to go down well. And, but, for, um, and for their management rolling into Marita HQ at the end of the season yeah. going, uh, I'd love to see their TT sales over the next quarter. Yeah. They'll just discontinue the bike. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Justin001, if the UCI knew the weather was going to be so bad, why would they select Yorkshire to host? Well, Cycling, it's an outdoor sport. It's an outdoor sport. We don't do they it probably indoors. didn't know, when they obviously when they selected it, they didn't know the weather's going to be that bad. Yeah. They probably could have looked at past performance. Yeah. Although it's not always an indicator of future performance. That is correct. Um, but yeah, the other part of it is they probably would have put up the cash. Yeah. And was, we love the UCI. We know the UCI love the cash. Late September, England, yeah, it's probably touch and go, but like you said, past performance is not indicator of future performance, Alex. Same question from, another question from Justin. How did you analyse the efforts from the Oz Riders? Not, uh, not particular Spratt and Matthews, but uh, Jess Allen and Rowan Dennis doing big turns on the front. It was very hard to watch the men's because... Uh, you mi- they missed half the coverage because it just cut out. Um, but so pretty much all you saw was uh, Roland Dennis and then the select group. Um, Simone Clark was there in support at the end, but they just missed the missed the bunch. And 
I think the same for the Australian girls. They did a little bit of work early, but the race was on so early that um, that was kind of it. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't really mean much, does it, doing work early? I mean, it looks good for the cameras, but... That's about it. If you don't get any chockies out of it, then yeah. it's kind of doing the rest is like everyone else. Uh, J. Forsby, why are we still pumping faith in bling? Simon Clark was in better form and most likely doing the work for Matthews would have been able to go with Sargon, even MVDP mm. when they attacked. How many more years are we going to put our eggs into the bling basket? I think we keep putting it in the Michael Matthews basket until he... Till he retires, he's he's the only rider I think at the moment that has the capabilities of a of a world's kind of rider. Someone that can climb, someone that can sprint, someone that has a track record of winning big one day races. I mean, he won in Canada ten days ago, so he was clearly the man in shape to win a world championship. It's not easy. Yeah, Peter Sagan did it three years in a row, but you got to knock at the door. Five, ten times before you might knock it down. So I think we keep putting it in the, in the Matthews basket. Uh, Fabio Velo, did Australia players that play their cards right? Should have they attempted to send Clark or Hagey up the road with Moss gone? Looking back course, on it, looking of back, course. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I do actually like Jack Hague for these one-day races. He's he's a hard man. He was really around the mark in the one-dayers. He's, ve- he's very analytical. He's very... And he he's a good... He positions himself. Yeah, well in that's the bunch. what I mean. Like he's very calculated in the way he assesses everything. Yeah, and everything's very process orientated. So you don't waste the energy. He's not erratic. He doesn't go wild or get too excited. Yeah, and he jagged a podium in a lead up race a couple of weeks ago in, in France Br- in Bretagne. Yeah. yeah, with the big Belgies. So maybe next season Liège, Amstel, we might see Jack Haig start to target this instead of instead of Grand Tours. But I mean, it's a nice problem to have to be able to go for for those one-dayers or focus more on tours. Uh, Rage to Bear, do you think uh, none, none, no one followed Mads unhooking from the pillow uh, because they couldn't or they didn't want to or they just didn't have the legs? I think a bit of both. Don't think he would have been hot on the radar, but also... I'm sure uh, people would have been able to go with him. Yeah. It's not like I think, Superman. No. But also, I think a lot of them would have been spent and thinking about the last because they went early. Oh yeah, I I mean, there was a lot of people thinking, "Geez, that's yeah, it's a big move." I'm pretty knackered. It's freezing cold. I'm wet. But you know what? On days like that, when it's freezing cold and there's not many teammates left, it sometimes, well, in this case, it's better to just go early, be in the front. I mean, there was only four, five guys, four working really in that front group, hmm. and there was not a whole lot of work going in the back. There were some bits and pieces from Belgium. And France, but no real cohesion. So, of course, looking back, it was was the right move. TT Daily was the call. TT Daily loves a question. Yeah, we we don't mind a consistent question asker. Asker was uh, the call to DQ the male under twenty three rubbish. Yep. Yep. Um, underscore N Ross like the Brownlow Medal three two one vote for the writer of the season, not just the world's the season. Jeez, it's kind of caught me out a little bit. Mm. I think three votes, Julian Alaphilippe. He won that much. He won that much. Two votes, maybe Vanderpol. I mean, he didn't race a whole lot on the road, but when he did, he really animated. And I think that win at Amstel Gold was probably the win of the season. <laughs> Lucky to probably get the votes because, like I said, he didn't do a whole lot of racing. But and you probably have to put Bernal on that podium and for probably, winning the Tour de France. Yeah. 
and Bernal, although you know Roglic as well, winning winning the Vuelta, doing a good Giro. But I think that first three that we discussed probably takes the chocolates. Maybe we're we're forgetting a lot of guys, but. Yeah. Nate underscore Titch in motor racing. This is a long question. In motor racing, sometimes you're involved in someone else's accident and it either ruins your race or ends it. If your equipment fails, that's on you slash the team. No one waits for you to fix your car or let's get back into the position where you were. Staying out of trouble is easier when you're positioned at the front. My point is, should th- we stop doing this in cycling? Stop doing what? So in terms of like, if you crash, you get the motor pace back on. In terms of if you crash in a F1 race, you don't get put back in your position. Putting putting the emphasis on bike handling skills and bunch position. Was that Luke Parker that asked that, asked that question? Because he actually yeah. brought that up a couple of Did days he? ago. Something no. along those no, lines. No, it wasn't him. I don't know. I don't mind it. It's clear cut, at least. Yep. It's more clear cut than the UCI yeah, rules. Yeah, you probably if you have a, a puncher or a crash, you're just you're on your own. Get yeah, back on sort it if out. you can. But this isn't motor racing. It's it's cycling and it is the way it is. But I I don't mind that that idea, Alex. I think it might be it might There's something work, in it. It might work in one day races. In grand tours yeah, though. Like right. you, you don't want I think it comes back to the Roglic example, top of mind, the welter losing the welter because he crashed yeah. on stage. 19. I reckon there is a little bit in that, though. Uh, C.Wills, after a lean results for Bling, do you think his race program will change next week, next year? Um, always think some TDU stages are suited to him, but he always seems to skip the Aussie summer. Well, whatever you're doing in January is not going to help you in September. No. So I don't think I think I think that probably plays into his hands that he doesn't do the Aussie summer. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty low-key year in terms of race days. 50 days racing with one Grand Tour. Traditionally lower race days. Yeah, I think Norman, they're up around 70 or 80, but it was a little bit lean. He had two stages. Catalonia was around the mark through spring. Swiss, he was top five every day. Tour de France got the, close. The Tour de France, that one stage where Julian Alaphilippe was up the yeah. road and, and his team just butchered it and he ran second in the kick. That one just sits at my top of my head when yeah. you think uh, Michael Matthews. He was top 10 eight times in the first 10 days in the Tour. So he was knocking on the door, then got the win in, in Canada. But I guess for Sunweb as, a, as an organisation, it was a poor year that they probably want to put yeah. a line through. Yeah, so. and they lost their biggest name. Yeah. Not a great year. Yeah. Uh, ben Gitter seemed to be a high number of riders running uh, disc brace versus rim. With a big selling point from the manufacturers, disc brakes make riders able to break later coming into corners. In the wet, why would there be so many uh, not using them in the traditional English weather? Some people might not have them available. I'm guessing. I th- everyone has them available, surely. I'm not too sure. Comfort not... thing, um, they are better. Yeah. <laughs> they... What's confused me is why? how can there be disc brakes and rim brakes in the same bunch? Uh, that just sounds real dangerous for mine. Guys with disc brakes can break a whole lot quicker. Completely different. Yeah. And especially in the wet. Yeah. When it really becomes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
I give you the hot tip. I want some big, fat, juicy discs on my bike if I was racing uh, last Sunday. Why blings teeth blinging from PGS Sports? It's the World Championships. Can't win them all. Uh, Simon underscore Gray with Rowan Dennis's Merida contract in the bin. Which team is best fit for him? I think what you talked about for an Ineos would be a, a doozy of a race. Yeah. Quick vote. Should they have considered postponing the men's elite road race as no one brought their flippers or floaties from time and space? What do you reckon? I don't think you can postpone the race. No, nah, you can't you, postpone you, it. You, I don't think you can. It would have been better. I reckon it would have been be- a much better race if it was dry. Yes and no. It was just more that we missed so many big names kind of going at it. I think it is what it is, though. It's a one-day race. You can't just say, oh, it's a bit wet today. We'll we'll come back tomorrow. (laughs) Um, Dom Parsons. Was the under-23 DQ decision made on the local hometown hero, Tom Pidcock, on the podium? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the thinking, but I don't think the UCI is that uh, that skewed. David uh, says, "Where is Roland Dennis going next year?" I don't know, but again, the the Ineos number. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Pumpstagram will cover your question in Tom's segment. It's about the continental breakfast, and Matt Walker. What is with CA only sending one junior? That's just part of their we sponsor the track and yeah. don't support the road strategy, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting to see how that pans out over the next 10, 15 years. But when we have no road riders. Yeah. It's all a money thing, I guess. They've got to pay their own way, I imagine. So, yeah. And it, also, if you look at it, our, our best under 19, he was... 19th, 20th, so mm. I don't think our boys were going to be that competitive. Maybe it would have helped to have some teammates there, but but maybe not. Paul Matthews, I don't want to take anything away from Mads, but does it feel a little bit disappointing that it, think, that it went to a... the World Championship goes to a relatively low-key rider versus an A-grade superstar? I guess he is a little bit low-key in terms of Sagan and Van Avermaet and these guys. Valverde, but... But, but he's, he's, he won the, the race fair and square, and he's going to... I think you'll step up a little bit next year and get a little bit of motivation out of wearing the rainbows in the classics. <laughs> uh, Gilbert on Facebook, how filthy do you think Moscow was when he realised Trenton wasn't able to finish the job? <laughs> filthy. Absolutely filthy. <clears throat> I don't mind that like at I all. Like I said, I would have I would have liked to have seen Gianni do an attack and, and try himself to put a bit of pressure on, on, uh, on the other guys in that group, but yeah. 100% filthy on Trentin. Ryan Bridges, given the epic nature of the race, if you were dropped from the Pella at 40k to go, would you have continued or taken the DNF option for a hot shower? Hot shower? <laughs> 100% hot shower. And Liam Pino, final question. What happened to MVDP? I think he just blew hunger up. Hunger flat. Proper hunger flat. We've all been there. It's just lights out. You just can't think about anything else than getting some sugar into you. But I, I don't think I've ever seen that in a, in a race of world tour quality, someone just exploding like that. Or is he just too honest? Like, you're like, maybe, oh, yeah, maybe. just a touch off. I might miss a turn. Do, yeah. He doesn't have, doesn't have, I guess 
that's a road experience thing though. Maybe Ma- a bit not, of management of your. He's not stupid. Like he's done a lot of road riding before. No, but also it could be a bit of a like. It could be a case if he's just that good that it just it's never been an issue. Maybe he's never had to really be smart. Or when he rode the the second group on the road for the last twenty k's of Amstel. Yeah. That that's not smart. And it's not like the distance was a new thing either. He's done five and a half hours before at, yeah. at Amstel. But versus a cyclocross race at one hour full gas. Yeah. It's a touch different. Yeah. Anyway. But to answer the question, blew up. Uh the Sufferfest. Camboss. He's still going. I am question still I, I am still going. We didn't we didn't do a pod last week here in the studio. You released the Sam Wellsford one, so we're catching we've up. We've we got a DOS week update. But we've, first off, their rider of the week, rider of the world championships, the bloke that's the rider that suffered the most. Oh, the, I don't think there's anyone else that could be. Possibly the Niels Ikov, the bloke who won the 23 road race and was disqualified. He uh, busted his balls to get back onto the bunch. He suffered through the race. He won the race and then he suffered the... Uh, the news that he was mm. disqualified, so I don't think it can be anyone else. How's your training going? Train- you, you actually look like you're in a bit better nick, I reckon. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm... I'm. Shed a few kegs? Yeah, I think I'm shedding a few kegs. Got rid of a bit of that puppy fat? Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly feeling feeling fitter. I don't want to get too carried away and say I'm doing this, that and the other, but I, I am feeling fitter. Another six sessions under the belt since we spoke last, so I've, I've stuck to... Uh, three sessions a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, still doing the turbo on a Friday. So, yeah, week three, three sessions, one called Element of Style, 37 minutes. Cadence builds on Wednesday, 36 minutes, a, a kind of an easier what do you, session. What do, you, what do you mean, cadence builds? Well, it's it's not quite, it's not hard power. It's more just working on cadence, so doing 60 cadence, then working up to, sort of, I think, 130 so really spinning it out is just kind of testing out the different the different muscle groups. And then on Friday, it was a tricky one. It was who dares, it's called. So 54 minutes. Um, 54 pu- minutes on the turbo. 54 minutes on the turbo on a Friday as well. Uh, mainly focusing on FTP. So sort of uh, not, not super high intensity work, but just efforts over a, a longer period of time. So... That was week three, and then week four, three sessions again, and again, Alex, long sessions, 44 minutes, 54 minutes, and 54 minutes, revolver, the downward spiral, and mini blender, so three different sessions. Revs on Monday. Yeah, revolver on Monday, so yep, sessions all going good, program's going good, we're a month in, four weeks, and yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good, Alex. And if you want to have a punt... If you want to get, if you want to win yourself a free T-shirt, you just need to go back and sift through and find that Instagram post that we put up for uh, Campbell's predicted twenty-minute power within his four D full frontal test. Tommy, it's time for the continental breakfast. Come on over, boys, boys, boys. Uh, yep, back again with the Conti breakfast, brought to you by the creative agency Harper. That's with two A's, still got two A's. Head to harper.co to see more of what they're about or email dan at good. No, we've already done that joke. We know he's a good bloke, but dan at harper.co. So uh, just to confirm what I said a few weeks ago, them being part of the big three, it's actually true. (laughs) Um, The other two are no good. So they're basically the number one. 
of the big three. So check out their website. It's definitely worth a look. Um, great, great little company there. Well, great big company there. So have a look. Hit the intro. Sit down, get comfortable, and get ready to delve into the strange and beautiful world of continental cycling. The Continental Breakfast. The Continental Breakfast. (laughs) What's on the cards today? Boys, slightly different um, approach to... Attack? Yes, we're going we're going into the southern hemisphere for the first time, um, and unsurprisingly, it's still not a continental team, <laughs> but an, a former continental team. They're only a recent addition to the Pro Conti ranks. So at their heart, a traditional continental team, just formally not. A, well, not, well, okay. Long story short, we're doing Manzana Postabon. <laughs> yeah. South America. Yeah. Proper. <laughs> we're, go- wild. we're going to Colombia. So Manzana Postabon started around 2006. Now, I was more familiar. I actually didn't even know this team, who this team was, until I've actually done this research. So do, you know, I- do you know who it is, Campbell? Yeah, we've, we, you've seen them before. Pink kit, pink and black kit. Uh, you would yeah. have seen them at the yeah. Tour of Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Pro, 2000, Conti, Pro Conti dream Yeah So 2006 They started as Columbia Air Paison And then In 2007 They were the Columbia Air Paison Team In 2008 2009 They were Columbia Air Paison Col de Portes In 2010 They were Cafe de Columbia Dash Columbia Air Paison <laughs> So just to really reiterate the fact that they're a Colombian team. And then uh, 2014, so 2012, 2014, they were basically Team Colombia. And then from 2015 to recently, they were Team Manzana Postabon. So I always identified them as basically the Colombian team. Like they just almost rolled around in Colombian national kit. But um, sponsors, information. So... We'll start off Postabon. Who wants to take a shot at what they do? They're, def- they're definitely a Medellin cement company. Don't mind it. <laughs> no, they're a... Um, or a mining company. They're the largest Colombian beverage company. Also one of the largest in South America. They've got a wide portfolio of products that include soft drinks, fruit juices, bottled water, tea and energy drinks. They've been around since 1904. Wow. So these boys the have... Coca-Cola. They've been making Coca-Cola since Adam was a boy. Mm. Now, Manzana, what are we thinking there? That's a that's a region. Bit of a trick question. Yeah, I've sort of led you down the garden path a touch. It's actually like the flavour or like a type of drink uh, that uh, they okay. do. So Manzana Possibons. One, like, one sponsor. It's, it's almost like Diet Coke sort of thing, but in that Manzana's its own flavour. So it's like an apple-flavoured soda. Um they do additional flavours beyond apple. They do grape, orange, pineapple and lemon. So they're quite a diverse portfolio of... Did you uh, test one? No. Maybe that's not a bad little shout. I yeah. should have done that for a bit of extra research. I have to do some research on where we can get South American produce in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking of the Boisson variety. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, so that's what the sponsors do. The producer's <laughs> side. 
That's uh, so anyway. But I'll actually I'll get on I'll get on to that a little bit later, Campbell. We do touch on this big star. Who to look out for now? Just a side note with his team, they don't actually exist anymore. They sort so, of so this team's not continental and it doesn't even exist. <laughs> so they were existing, and then now they don't exist. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> big star. How? Who to look out for? At one point. <laughs> so this is a retrospective look at this team. So they were existing this year, and then I'll get into it. I'll get into the the, uh, the nitty-gritty. Uh, Jonathan Rest, Rest Restrepo. Repo. Sure, he was real keen for him at Down Under last yeah, the Katush- year. Yeah, okay, Katusha. here we go. Katusha rider. Yeah. He was. So fourth at Cadell's in 2017. Tenth yes. overall, the 200 Under in 2017 again. Yep, yep, yep. Seventh at the Tour of Turkey this year. With Manzana Postabon, um, and he's going to Androni Gigatoli Sidemek next year, who we well know now. But basically, he was their big star. But he's the only. Yeah, I'll get onto it. The <laughs> Bond. I just I looked this guy up. This Jonathan Rest. How do you say, Campbell? Restrepo. Restrepo. His pro cycling stat ranking for time trial ability is one of the most interesting I've ever seen. It almost as appears as though he wouldn't know how to get on a time trial bike. <laughs> he has almost negative time trolling ability. He just like he must be allergic to racing against the clock. Like, he as soon as the time trial comes, he just starts sneezing. Like he's just screaming at the team car to run over him. Because he's almost like, who's that Japanese bloke at the Giro this year that didn't make the time cut? <laughs> I couldn't tell you his name to be yeah. fair. Yeah, it's we're looking like that. Like he gets on a bike he's facing the wrong way. Anyway, so that's who their big star is. Not exactly Fabian Cantillara. Team victories. So this year they've won a stage the Tour de Taiwan. Again, big, big South American race for them. Stage one at the Walter Asturias Julio Alvarez Mendo. That's actually a pretty cool, <laughs> pretty cool little race. Nineteenth uh, at the Grand Premier Miguel Indran, and seventh overall with Restrepo at the uh, Presidential Cycling Tour of Turkey. Now, Turkey. now, their 2018 team victories was quite sensational. They may as well have only turned up to two races. They won stage six at the Tour of Tahu Lake, stage two at the Tour of Tahu Lake. They won stage one at the Tour of China 2. They won the Tour of China 1, including stages two and three. No, just stage two. They won the Tour of Tai stages three and two. They won overall at the Tour of Qinghai Lake, including stages six and four. And there's really not much point looking any further back than that because it's just a complete utter waste of time. But they just went to China for like a month and just took the piss. Cleaned up. And that's all they did for the year, though. Like Good money in, good money in China. Well, both, both, both those boys. American went, dollar bills. Yeah. So both those boys, who I'm about to talk about, went pro the following year. And this is where it gets really funny. And this is kind of like the dark side of the sport, I think, in that, like, apart from the doping aspect, but where blokes just get poached for their points and then get thrown into like races that just don't suit them at all. So, for example, Hernando Bajajerez, he races for Astana now. He currently has earned one fifteenth of the points he got from just those races last year. So he's done six races this year. A total of six races. If Stana have gone, you have a heap of points in Asia. We'll take you on board. He hasn't been injured. He's done six races. What races are they? Can 
Well, you don't have the data so then his, his mate, Juan Sebastian Milano, he races for UAE Team Emirates. He got a DNF at Umlup Het Newsblad. So it's like taking a Colombian out of Colombia, racing him in China, yeah. opening weekend in <laughs> getting a heap of points and throwing him in the wettest, coldest race of the year. Like, it just... <laughs> It's just <laughs> like stiff shit a little bit, like a bit unlucky. Um, and, the, and these teams need these po- these points to qualify for the world tour. It's all part base, of their... Base. If you go to the ins and outs of it, yeah, you need the points to be able to be a team, blah, blah, blah. But it honestly looks like they're just throwing them right in their specialty races. Like this Colombian who's won like... Especially Het, het Newsblad. Qinghai Lake and just gets thrown into Umlup Het Newsblad. So anyway, Hernando... Or, and Juan Sebastian Milano didn't do too well in those races. Obviously a DNF, so the, like the one race he's done all year, he didn't finish. But they both progressed to the World Tour. Yeah, which they'll probably get booted from next year because they've got no points. Yeah. Interesting fact, this is actually my Uncle Wally's favourite team. Why? Nah, that's just a complete straight-up lie. Like, I couldn't really find an interesting fact apart from these guys not existing anymore. G'day, Uncle Wally, if you're listening. <laughs> Directors... Uh, Luis Fernando, this is a good name. That's not good if I say it. Saldariega. Saldariega. Luis, anyway, this bloke seriously looks like he'd round up half his team. He's the fittest bloke I've ever seen drive a car. It must, it must be like a Freddie Flintstone sort of car because he just is the fittest looking bloke. Like, other than that, I'd got no more info on him other than just my thoughts and his fitness levels. But dead set, this bloke, he could just round up half the palo. He's sensational. He was like a mediocre junior, apparently. Um, <laughs> doping convictions. All right. Love this. I feel like this is what it's all about, seeing the whole team folded in May 2019. They didn't, they didn't. They almost made it to the second half of the year. <laughs> they were pushing the envelope. So in April 2019, the team terminated uh, Wilma... Paredes contract after the UCI announced that he'd tested positive for EPO. So great, great news for uh, Manzana Postabon. Then um, in May 2019, Juan Jose Amador was notified of an adverse and adverse analytical finding for the banned steroid Boldenone. 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 In an out of competition control held back in October of 2018. So the team were like, nah, nah, we'll staunchly defend you, staunchly defend you. Like, nah, this is four days later, the team folded. <laughs> so I think they might have done a bit more digging around and seeing what the other boys are up to and potentially might not have liked what they had seen. But um, so the, this, that's what I was saying before. The, the team doesn't actually exist anymore. They actually full-blown folded. Oh, and which, in other news, one of the, uh, the continental favourites of ours, one of, one of the questions that we didn't touch on before because yeah, this moment. so the team that um, tried to <laughs> tried to jump the gate in the warm up of the time trial <laughs> at the Vuelta this year, they've obviously <laughs> they must have run over the sponsor because they're not coming back. <laughs> so it's harsh, isn't it? It's a harsh business. This well, pro Conti space, what, Tom. What are we in? Slash really? Conti. Start of October, there's 20 blokes without a job next year. So Whoosh. it is a little bit except for one who except for one got a who's going to Astana, Rodriguez. The bloke who won a stage this year. Anyway, anyway, he's going. One on. of them's going to Astana. How good's that? Your beauty, Astana, Astana. So they've picked up a good rider in um, in that bloke. So they'll be pretty happy about that. Get the points as well. A few little cheeky <laughs> points. We love UCI. Astana points. love points. Kit, it's really 
really, really pink. Like, it's like Kaha Rule, Rule Hal. <laughs> Instead of green, it's like the most vibrant. It's like a hot pink. It's in your face, kind of pink, isn't it? Who who comes up with these kits at... In these pro Conti, blind Freddy Conti teams, seriously, they're just all wild. Yeah, it is just hit. it is it is pink, like it is pink. It is a it's pink. It's a harsh pink. Nothing wrong with pink. Nothing wrong with no. pink. Giro map beautiful map makes some good map, pink kits. They do. Pink is it's not, not. It's not a pastel. It's, it's like a. It's like it slaps you in the musk. face. It's a musk. It's too vibrant for a musk. Let's it's just. I think of musks like those little lollies. Yeah, that's horrendous, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's and and, it's and white writing on pink. It's not like the the names of the sponsors are standing out like. Kind of reminds me, you know, when you used to do like word art on um on Microsoft Word, you used to do word art like when you were yeah. in grade three you in two thousand. What'd you get up to on the weekend? It's like my weekend, and you would pick the it's this team kit. Yeah, you get, your, you get different backgrounds art. and shadings and borders. That's it. So that's what their kit looks like. It's actually look to be fair, it stands out. It's fine. Oh yeah, you know exactly. That's how I knew the team. The, yeah, the pink kit. Who are these snoozers? Um, <laughs> metaphor for this team. I think it's pretty obvious. Like pretty much just Colombia as a country, really. <laughs> like if you look into it, they're a cool, vibrant-looking bunch of people with an underlining tone of the whole place being basically fueled by a drug economy. <laughs> 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 like, I think oh, I think that's just probably the best way. Because, like, if they hadn't have had so many doping convictions and had to follow the team result, you wouldn't make that comparison. But it's just, like, it's too it's too much of a correlation. It's hard to ignore. If it was a Venn diagram, there'd be a massive overlap right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a visual learner, just picture, just picture a Venn diagram. Columbia, Manzana, Pastabon, <laughs> drug issues in the middle. <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, that is good. So, um that's the metaphor for this week. Actually, a lot more simple than my <laughs> my standard metaphors. In summary, boys, a little bit sad. It is sad to sort of see this business still still in cycling, but at least it's with the well, because like Postabon have actually been involved in cycling since the eighties. They were part of Columbia's first pro team in the eighties, and I think they got close to winning a. Well, they may have even won a welter back in the day. Um, like they've been they've been around. Well, yeah, since Adam was a boy, so I think it's, it's a little bit, a little bit tragic to see uh, it's still happening in 2019. But um, we'll try and wrap this up for the tenth time tonight. Basically, boys, sort of a bit of a no, no good news team, but um, <laughs> but it gives me something to talk about. So anyway, that's it for tonight. Yeah. Um, Continental breakfast brought to you again. By Harper with two A's, the uh, creative agency. We thank them for their continued support. Don't be afraid to get a hold of Dan. He's a good he's a good bloke. He'll sort you out for anything you need, creative agency wise. And that's it from me, boys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tom. I enjoyed it. Thanks to Map. You're welcome. And we'll see you back at the social club next time.